This is Kurt. And this is Tracy. And this is the MFG Cast. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, non-binary children of all ages. This is another board game episode of the MFG cast. We are going to be doing a double, double, fa, 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 double review. Duel, duel, duel. That's right here right. for everybody. That's right. We're going to be doing a double review of Big Easy Busking and Tubble Town, both published by Weird Draft Games. All right. We decided we'd do our first ever double review. I don't think it's our first ever double review. Really? God, I feel like this I is our like first ever. I feel like we've done it before, so really? I don't think it's our first mm. ever. I'll have to go into the annals of the MFG cast podcast. Into the vaults? Into the vaults. Crack them open. Let's see. I don't know. Do we I have th- multiple vaults? Yes. One for all the gold. One. Okay. Okay. So... Anyway, <laughs> anyway, should we get right into it? Yeah, let's do Woo-hoo. it. So first up is Big Easy Busking. All right. And don't say that one so many times so fast. I know. Well, literally, you because it's a tongue twister. You won't hear this. I tried it already and I failed. So that's why Tracy did it. Yeah, I did a pretty good job. Cool. So let's learn the stats on Big Easy Busking. Well, coming in on. It sounds like we're giving a wrestling. Yeah, I know. Weighing in at 225. Weighing in at uh, 45 minutes. Death Valley, North Dakota. No, no weighing no in at 45 minutes and one to five players and eight and up. This mm. game was designed by Joshua Mills and illustrated by Andrew Thompson and Katie Grierson. Graphic design by Adrienne Azell and Nick Kopp. And published by Weird Giraffe Games. Yeah. Did that sound like a boxing match? Totally did. Let's get ready to rumble. I'm not going to do that because it would be really loud. Let's get ready to rumble. No. I, do you want me to redo it again so I don't No, do not at all. Okay. All right. So, 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 Kurt. Yes. Why don't you do your infamous intro for Big Easy Busking? Right. Or maybe not because... I'm guessing that your accent might not be top-notch for this. What do you mean? New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. The Big Easy. No, 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 no. Oh, wee, wee. No. No, that's French. No, let's. Let's not. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, uh, I'll do a, I'll do a very, like, like, very, like, nice and easy one. New Orleans, the Big Easy, is known for many things. Creole, Chris. Creole cuisine. Boy, I can't even say that. A unique dialect. <laughs> See, a unique dialect. Annual celebrations and festivals and its distinctive music. Do you have what it takes to travel to the birthplace of jazz, 
show off your skills, and be named king or queen of the buskers. Big Easy Busking is a competitive area control game about playing music, matching the mood of the crowd, and knowing when to push your band members to the max. Ooh. So, with the intro and the kind of Kurt reading what the goal of the game was with the band members and pushing them to the max. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the game components and we'll call out several of those components to talk about that a little bit. Sound good? Sounds awesome. Okay. So a few of their game components that we wanted to call out were their 15 crowd cards. These are crowds the musicians play to on Royal Street. They play to these crowds to gain money tokens and mood tokens throughout the game. Yep. And money is what money is the big thing to basically win the game at the end, even though we'll kind of talk about that. It also comes with 33 song cards that include starting cards for each player. Then it includes six ability song cards. And um, one is selected per game. And they include special abilities on each of those cards. Yep. So that varies throughout your game, each of the games that you play. Yep, for sure. There's also 12 hit song cards. They form the rest of the collection of songs you can play for the crowds on Royal Street. So now that we've highlighted a few of those game components Mm -hmm. to kind of get you in the mood, see what I did there? Oh, good one. Oh, so jazzy. I feel like I need to like snap my fingers or something. (laughs) It's not like poetry, but it's kind of jazzy. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about gameplay. Cool. So for gameplay, there are several actions that players can pick from. One of the actions is to learn a song. So you select a song to learn from the melody market or the top of the hit song deck. Each band member starts with four energy cubes. There's a saxophone player, a drummer, and a trumpet player. And there's also three cubes that go into the reserve which sits on the side of your player card. Yep. Okay. So in order to learn a song, you're required to take an energy cue from each of those band members. So you take one from the saxophone player, the drummer, and the trumpet player, and you place it in your reserve. So that's the those are the cubes that are next to your player card. Kurt, why don't you talk about another action? Another action you can do is playing a song. This means that a player is selecting a song from their hand to play by placing the appropriate energy cubes on the card in front of the crowd that they wish to entertain. So basically you are, are um, so if, if one of them says like, oh, there's, you know, you have, the trumpet player needs to play once and the drums need to play twice and the, did I say trumpet and, ju- and drums and the sax? Saxophone is the last <laughs> and one the, that you And the saxo- saxophonist. The saxist? The saxist? I don't even know. Saxophonist? Yeah. I don't know. What is that word? The sexy Let us know. No. No. Don't take that They might be, but um, (laughs) you're taking all those cubes and you're putting them on that card below the crowd to say, hey, we're playing this tune and getting the crowd pumped. Keep in mind that when you're playing songs to these crowds, that there are certain moods on these crowds and that if you play... The mood that matches on the card that of the song that you have to the crowd that you can actually get 
some bonuses there and we'll talk about that here a little bit later. Also keep in mind to play standard songs from the table you must pay money tokens or energy tokens from your band members to play those songs. So like there's two songs that you could play to kind of put underneath the crowd and there's also an ability card to help kind of speed up the game and help kind of give you different advantages during the game. All right, Tracy, what's another action we could play? Another action that you could play would be to finish playing. So finish playing meaning finish playing your song. Mm -hmm. Basically finish entertaining the crowd. So you determine whether your moods match. So Kurt was talking about um, whether the moods match. Um, So if the crowd wants to hear something love-like, it would have a heart on the crowd and your song might have a heart and then your moods match. So then you take all your energy tokens that you have that you placed on your song card and you move them to the crowd and then you collect $1. Or you can place one or more of those energy tokens on that card and you can return the rest to the band members that are on the card in front of you. Now, if your mood does not match, so let's say you're playing for a crowd that, like I said before, wants a love song, but you're playing a song that the mood is Mardi Gras beads, so maybe more of like an upbeat party song, then all your energy tokens that you had on your song that you put on there from the band members move to the crowd card, okay? You don't collect any money, they just move solely to the card or crowd card. Well, that is like a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) Crowd card. So once players finish playing songs for crowds, they have the ability to tip their band members, meaning that they feel like they did a really good job or they want to move some of those energy tokens that were on reserve on the side of their next to their player card. They want to move them over so that they can play more songs or learn more songs or that type of thing. It's a dollar per energy token from that reserve and they can assign them to any one of those band members. So they can give it to, there's no rhyme or reason. So if you had three in the reserve, you can pay $3 and move three to the drummer if you wanted to, or you can um, spread them out amongst any of the players. So then after that happens... After what happens? After you finish playing, sorry, you you kind of banter, not banter back and forth, but you play back and forth. All the players play back and forth. So they're able to continue to learn songs or play songs or finish playing songs for the crowds until they no longer can play anymore. Let's say they run out of energy from their band players or something like that. Players choose to pass. And when both players choose to pass, that round is over. Now, if all players have passed, it's time to figure out who's won over each of the crowds. Do you want to talk about that, Kurt? Sure. So basically what you're going to do is at the end of the round, you're going to figure out who's going to get what as far as the payout goes. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking at those crowd cards. There are two ways to receive the payout. The first payout is whoever has the most. 
So whoever has the most energy on a crowd card will win the, the crowd payout, basically. So it's got a little, like, a crown for a king or queen, and it's got a little number beside that. So if it says four points, whoever has the most... Whoever has the most energy tokens on that one card, depending upon which player it is, will receive that amount of money. The next way to gain money is threshold payout, which is on the right side of the card. And what it's gonna tell you is it's gonna show you a certain, it's gonna show you the cube, and then it's gonna have a number to the left side of it. So that's the minimum number of energy cubes you have to have there. And if you have at least that many are over, you get the money amount on the right of it. So if they say there's three cubes for $2, you have to have at least three cubes there to get that. So that means anybody that's playing on that card can get receive that money. But as far as the first place payout, which is on the left side with the crown, that's only the person that reaches first place that has the most cubes on it. So what's nice is that if you place first on that card, you're obviously placing first because you have the most cubes or energy cubes or tokens on there, but you can get first place payout and you can get the threshold. So you have potential to get maybe $8. You could get $5 for um, getting the most and you could get $3 for the threshold. That's right. And second place whoever was also on there and met the threshold could get three dollars that's right yep yep and then if also then if you met the the mood and you were the winner of that also i believe you get the mood token for that crowd also Mm -hmm. which could help in a tiebreaker at the end of the game that's true now that you've paid out your crowd cards, you have to kind of reset the round for the, because it's the end round to go to the next one. So what you're going to do, set all your standard tokens to one, because the standard tokens, you you either have to pay one or two to grab those or whatever. So make sure you reset those to one. All players return all played song cards to their hands. Another thing you do is you make sure that you put your energy tokens back on your band member card and uh, your reserve, just like you do at the beginning. So four, four, and four for your band members and three off to the side. And then increase your crowd cards by one. So first round has three cards, second round has four, third round has five. And then you draw new mood tile or mood tokens and put those on the crowd cards and you're ready to start the next round. The end of the game is triggered after three rounds, and then at the end, it's whoever has the most money wins out. In the event of a tie, there are other things that help decide it. So what is it? It's... I actually think it's song cards first, and then I think it's mood tokens. All right, and that's how you play Big Easy Busking. So what do we think about Big Easy Busking? We're going to give it a rating on the old MFG cast rating scale. And I'll kind of tell you about how we do that. So we've got Collection Keeper. It's one that we are going to have in our collection. We're going to want to play every single time we go to find a game. We're like, this is one we want to play all the time. We have Fair Player. It's one that's going to get a decent amount of fair play, which obviously that's why we call it that, I guess. It's kind of weird that I said that. But it's not going to be one that we look for all the time, but it's definitely going to get a good amount of plays. 
Uh, there's also Overlooked. It's probably going to be not our first choice, but we'll maybe play it once every couple of months, that kind of thing. And then we have the Unfortunate Pastor. It's going to be something that's just not quite our cup of tea. So, what do we think about Big Easy Busking? I'll go first. You jumped right into that. I did. I like the art. The art is cool. It's got that. It's got that feel of like New Orleans, you know, the the music scene and stuff like that. I've I've never been to New Orleans myself. I only know what I've seen on TV and stuff like that. But it's definitely got that feel. the The colors are vibrant. It's got a cool, you know, look to it. The components are a nice. The cards have beautiful art on them too. It's got the cool little song titles and stuff like that. Like, what was one of them? One of them was, like, Wingspan Land, which I thought was kind of cute. And then some other songs. I had a, I have a feeling that I think during the Kickstarter, somebody was able to name a few songs, and I bet you it's ones that are actually, like, they're I actual songs. I thought you read about that. Yeah. I thought these were all real songs. Oh, all of them are real? Wingspan Land is definitely not a real song. I'm going to look it up. All right. The gameplay, gameplay is solid. I think that I I wish there was more. I wasn't as engaged in this game as I thought I would be. Not that this game, nothing is wrong with this game. It's just, for some reason, it didn't grab me as much as I would hoped, you know? Like, I feel like, you know, there is enough bones there to be able to, you know, play your song cards, to be able to grab from the market, to be able to use some of those standard songs to kind of help you go, I like I like the fact that you can you can use your money, you can kind of cash in your money to kind of get those energy cubes and kind of redistribute them so you can play a little bit more. I like that, that that's really thought out well. But I just, I don't know. I wish there was just more here. And I don't really know what that is. But like I said, I just wasn't as engaged in this game as I thought I would be. But... It's a decently solid game. So I would probably give it overlooked. I just, it's probably one that if someone brought it to me and really wanted to play it, I wouldn't mind playing it, but it, it probably wouldn't be my first thing or even my second thing to want to play. So so what, what do you think, Tracy? Based on the MFG cast scale, I guess I would say I'd have to agree with you. I would say overlooked also. It's not that I, again, I'm going to say a lot of things that you did, I think. It's not that I wouldn't play it if somebody wanted to. Um, because it by no means that I dislike it, that I would never want to bring it to the table again. But there was something about it that I guess I'm not certain what it needed. But I really did like the art pieces of it, the colors, all that kind of stuff really popped. I thought that was cool that those pieces were there. Like um, Kurt, I have not been to New Orleans either, and but those types of things just kind of scream uh, Mardi Gras and, thing, and things like that. And so that really, I thought that was really cool the way they had the the art for the musicians and all that kind of stuff I thought was cool. But yeah, there was there was just something there that I'm not really sure exactly. I can't nail it down totally what what I felt like it was missing either. Yeah. But again, it was I mean, 
there was the variability of being able to kind of switch out the mood tokens so it's not like the mood tokens were like locked into the crowd cards and things like that so yeah i mean that was nice to be able to do that so you didn't always have the same play in regards to how much money you had the opportunity of earning because that would always be different and then also the what were they called not the event cards the the ability cards the ability cards having option for several ability cards so that you wouldn't always have the same one for every gameplay was nice too yeah so definitely. that's what i would say for this game also is that i would say that it would be overlooked cool very cool all right so that's what we thought of big easy busking all right on to our next review our next review is for Tumbletown. Should we do this one like uh, coming in at uh No. Okay. Yeah. Woo-hoo. You can. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. Okay. And for our next review, we're going to talk about Tumbletown. Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, this one doesn't work as I don't know how I would do it for the... The stats. Maybe give a yeehaw? No, I don't know. A 40, this one, whoa. <laughs> this one runs 40 to 60 minutes. Eight and up, one to four players. This game is designed by Kevin Russ. Graphic designed by Kevin Russ, Katie Cow, and John Merchant. And illustrated by Katie Grierson. And <laughs> that, just, that sounded like a bird singing, it and sure I does. apologize. It was great. And off to Kurt. Wah, wah, wah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you the intro for Tumbletown. Yes, cowboy. Tumbletown is the best town in the West and deserves a mayor to match. The Tumbletown's people have invited you all to compete for the position. It's up to you to impress them with your construction and planning skills. There we go. Oh my goodness, we apologize for all the cowboys, the cowgirls, <laughs> the those Cows around people. cow people, cow pokes mm-hmm. that we offended. Yep, sorry. In the recording of this review, we're just trying to have fun, people. So sorry. So, because I can't understand your accent, <laughs> did you talk about what the goal of this game was? To impress your to impress the townspeople with your construction and planning skills. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. That is really I don't I don't speak That doesn't really give you a lot. It just kinda like says oh okay. I don't speak cow you don't, boy. You're not a cowpoke? No, I'm not a cowpoke. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the game component highlights. So I'm not gonna talk about all the game components, but I wanted to just highlight, see what I did there. A few of the game components. Cool. So first of all, and probably the most important one, just kidding, not really, but it's really super cute, is they have a cactus first player marker. Yeah, that 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 first player marker is pretty sweet. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. It is green, it's wooden, and it looks like a cactus, and it's so cute. It's done, it's done all of its job. Okay, next. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I could talk about this for the rest of the episode. And... Um, there's lots of dice. Holy moly. There's gray. 
There is black. There's, well, it's yellow, but it, I don't know if it's supposed to be. It's gold. gold. It's gold. It's a gold rush. Duh. And the there's brown. Mm-hmm. Right? Did I get all the colors? You are correct. And then there's towns, which are AKA, I consider them your player boards. So these are cool because there's four options for gameplay with these player boards, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Sweet. Yeah. So, Kurt, do you want to start off talking about setup? Sure. So, depending upon the player count, you're going to get a certain amount of dice, and you're going to get a certain amount of building plans. Okay? Building plans are placed in a 3x4 grid with draw piles on the side, and building plans include several items on them. Okay? You've got dice needed to construct the building and how they need to be placed. You've got the victory point value once they're built. You've got the style icon. Yes, Tracy. So when you talk about style icons, what does that mean? Oh, so each card has one or two style icons on each card. And what that means is you get a horse at the beginning of the game that's keeps that's kept secret from everybody. And on the back of that is an icon of that style. And you will get one point for each of that icon for your actual constructed buildings at the end of the game. So to clarify a little bit more, a style icon could be like a boot. Cowboy boot. Or a cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. Or a pickaxe. Pickaxe. Or a horseshoe. Or a horseshoe. And I should know that because the last game we played, I had a horseshoe. (laughs) That's right. And lastly, on your building card is your building power. And then each player is given a town card. So um, now what we're talking about town cards, it's basically kind of your little play mat that you put your dice on, basically, throughout the game. And there's four different kinds of uh, player cards, or town cards, basically. So you've got your easy, you've got your hard, you've got your cactus, and you've got your dueling streets. So each one of those has a certain theme on it that kind of helps you have a different game each game basically though i one of my favorites is the cactus because it's got a bunch of different cactuses on it and if you leave them open then you get a point for each one that's open which is cool yeah so obviously if if i want or not i yeah if i wanted to play the cactus side anybody else who's playing the game with me should also be playing the same side (laughs) that's true so you're gonna want to watch that you're all playing on the same side of or the same player board because they there's um, two player boards or do they call them player boards player mats player they call them town town cards town cards oh well okay for each person and they're two-sided yeah for sure and then also each player gets dice based on the turn order so like some of them it's like oh two brown and then another player has two brown the other player has two brown and a gold so on so forth and then you also get your horse which we kind of talked about which gives you Victory helps you get victory points at the end. So, Tracy, how do we play Tumbletown? Well, Kurt, let me tell you. We grab a building plan out of the group that we set out in that 3x4 grid Mm -hmm. and the dice that are associated with that. 
And what I mean by that is in each of the rows, there are cards that are face down in a draw pile that we talked about too. And on the back of each of those cards are the dice that you're going to be able to select with that card. So it could say you take two brown and then you can select between a brown, a black, or a uh, gray. And then you pick those and you take them with your building plan. Then you take those dice that you collected and you roll them. And you have to keep whatever you roll and put it by your town card. Then you can construct that building if you're able with any of the dice you have in your storehouse and the ones that you just collected. Keep in mind this is like throughout the game so obviously you you may only have those dice that you collected. You could have a series of dice on the mat or the player or town card or whatever the heck we want to call this. <laughs> You can store six, but there are cards that make your storehouse be able to store more than that. Mm -hmm. So like one game, I was able to store nine total. So that was really nice. But otherwise, the max is six. So if you exceed that, then you have to start getting rid of dice. Yeah, And that's at the end of the round. So if you had six dice in your storehouse and you had three that you used, as long as you get rid of some dice, you know, being able to construct one of your one of your places in your town, then you wouldn't have to get rid of any of those extras. Right, right. And I don't know that I've had to... Eh, maybe once I've had to get rid of something. Yeah. But usually it's kind of nice because you can find somewhere to put them. Yeah, it feels like this game is really good about like giving you options so you don't... Even though it's a luck-based game, you don't... You know, it gives you a lot more chances to succeed than fail. Yep. So basically, like I said, you're gonna construct the building if you are able to. And to construct it, you wanna match the die color and the requirements on the building card. And by the requirements on the building card, I mean, so you're going to build an outhouse. The outhouse is two dice tall and it has to be um, both brown dice And then there's other requirements to that too. So not only does it have to be two brown dice and they have to be too tall, not too next to each other vertical or horizontally, but they have to be too vertically, but maybe they have to be both even Mm -hmm. um, dice rolls or odd, or they have to be the same number Mm -hmm. or... Um, they have to be the sum of one number, mm-hmm. meaning like they have to equal nine mm-hmm. or they have to be greater than a number or, I mean, the sky's the limit on what they have or they have to be like a run. So it has to be like uh, like a one, two, three or a two, three, four, or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's tons of different things on all of these types of buildings. So that's one of the requirements that you also have to do when you're constructing. When constructing a building, you're going to want to determine where you want to place it on your town card. So there's a few different options based on the side of the card that you're playing on. So you'll want to always keep in mind that you can mirror your building, meaning obviously in a mirror it's the opposite of what your card looks like, but On the street, 
they, for example, they could have in this spot, they want you to place one brown die for sure. And in the next spot over next to it would be a height limit of two die. And then the next one would be a height um, limit of three die. And so you kind of, my strategy at least would be to try to match those up because you get more points if you're matching up how they have it laid out on the street. Yeah, which makes sense because you most of the time you're getting one point for each certain thing for the most part. But it you don't have to necessarily place everything perfectly. It's just that the more the more you place exactly how they want you to, you'd get more victory points. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And the mirror the mirroring of it um, is really helpful too because otherwise I think it would be really, really hard if you weren't able to flip the buildings um, back and forth. So instead of having a, a one level building on the right side, you could make it a one level building on the left side instead to be able to place it on your street. Mm -hmm. Another um, thing where you would get a victory point would be is if you left a like an alleyway or a space in between your buildings. So if you built a building and then you left a space and then you built another building, you're going to automatically score a victory point if you left one square or building in be or one not building, one space in between each of the two buildings. Mm -hmm. But also if you poorly construct your buildings, um, so if they either have the wrong color or the wrong value when you're building them. So they either have the wrong color or the wrong value when you're constructing them. So the wrong value meaning like the sum of this card or the building requirement for this card has to be greater than 21 or something like that and you have 20, then you're, you can place that building but you're actually going to gain a penalty token of negative two same stands for if you place a color that doesn't match. So if it says, I want you to, if you place a building here, you can have any color on the bottom, but the second die has to be black. And you place a gold one as your second one there, then you would gain a penalty token. Yep. So again, it's, it's, it's giving you a lot of options to kind of, mess around and you know do certain things you know of course you want to try to do the best you can to get those certain points but it's not it's not not letting you do those things you know because i like that the fact that it's like okay so you can't get this one die well you can put it there with the rest of it but you're going to get these negative two points well you know you you want to build this one thing but you can only you can only get two points for the two spots and then one of them's going to hang off your town card well that's allowed you can still do that. Yep. It's cool. I like it that it gives you that option. Yeah. And then you also have the ability to use the card power on the bottom of that building if you construct it. And a card power is they can be that you are able to use it at the end of the game, meaning it could be based on symbols on the cards. Mm -hmm. So it could be however many hats you have cowboy hats on all the cards at the end of the game could score you one point at game end. 
Um, it could be every turn you get, you can up your pip on your die by one. It could be one time only where you could collect a gray die, a brown die, or a black die when you build, construct that building. So there's tons of different variability on the different types of building powers. Mm -hmm. Did I capture that? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Sorry, I'm like full of information. Yeah, and there, I think the one thing I... Did you say in-game scoring stuff too? Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right. You got that, everything. That was the very I, I that did, was the very first thing I talked about. Yeah, awesome. Wow. Apparently, yeah. I am not very good at paying attention. Okay. But I distrust you because you do so well. So no, here I we don't go. think that's true. Um, and then the last thing is any of the remaining dice, like I had mentioned earlier, you put in that storehouse or the spot where you um, can put your six die. Or if you have that card that um, increases your dice limit, then you can place them there also. And that goes on that town card or your um, your player mat or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> I'm going to call it Fred. Awesome. Okay, that's weird. Thanks, Fred. Okay. And then any of those extra dice get returned. Yep. And the being returned is a, doesn't mean to the box. It means to the supply. supply that others can use. That's right. So because we're talking about dice and like the abilities of the dice and um, things like that, sometimes when you pick up a card and you're not able to, um, let's say I want to, I'm going to go back to the outhouse again because that's the one I can think of right now. Because your mind's in the shitter. Uh, okay. <laughs> or the dance hall or something like that. And I'm not able to build it right away. That's okay. I don't have to take a card and build it right away. I just put it on the left side of my horse. And then once I build it, I move it to the right side of my horse. But let's say I grab this card and the dice I collect are just never going to be the dice that I want to be able to build it. So let's say I want to get a gold die, but I'm never, I feel like I'm never going to, not gold, yellow, gold, whatever, gold rush, whatever. I feel like I'm never going to get that color die. What are my options, Kurt? So for options, you can actually use what's called the gold pan. So to Whoa. use the gold pan. Giddy up. <laughs> Giddy up, little dog. So, to use the gold pan, what you're going to do is there's three options to you. And you can actually do these as many times as you want as you're able for whatever dice that you actually have. So, you can take any two die of the same color and you can exchange them for one die of any color. So, if it's gray, black, brown, or, uh, or gold. Another thing you can do is if you have any two die of the same number, so if you have two twos, two sixes, you can also do that. You can exchange for any one color, again, any of the four colors. Or your last option, you can take any one gold die and you can exchange it for any of the other three colors, gray, black, or brown. So yeah, so it gives you a little bit more options to kind of, again, get that dice that you want or get that die that you want kind of manipulate some things so you have more options to succeed than you would to fail. And nice. I, that's something I really like about it. So you're not continuing to collect all the brown dice and 
you really wanted a gray one. Yeah, for sure. But you can't get there. Yeah. Exactly. And you're frustrated. That's right. And you Options. can't and you can't put anything on Fred. And Fred's gonna be really disappointed. I'm well that's right, you named him Fred. I'm sticking with Fred. So, okay. So weird. <laughs> I am. So at game the game well, how's the game end? How do you how do you think the game ends? Do you remember? I do. Oh, well what is it then? I'm not telling you. Okay. Okay. So, you want me to tell you? Oh. You said you didn't want to tell me. Well, I can tell. I can tell the, the listeners. Oh, let's tell them. Okay, listeners. The game ends when... So there's four dice colors. And when two stacks of the dice colors get to two or less die... Boy, that is a lot of dice and die. <laughs> then that triggers game end. The players who haven't gotten through their turn? Through their last turn. Through their last turn. You betcha. Get to finish. Mm-hmm. And then you tally your points. Tally some points. Did I get it right? You did. You did great. Cool. All right. So how do we score at the end here? So we score for victory points on the constructed buildings that we have. We get... Points for the style icons, depending upon which horse you have. You get points for your building placement on the street. You get negative points if you actually had to take some negative point tokens. And then end game power scoring, which is that those gold areas on the bottom of your building plans that will give you additional scoring at the end. So now that we gave you an overview of Tumbletown, uh, we're going to tell you what we think about it. That's right. So starting, so keeping in with our MFG cast rating system. Yep. What do you think, Tracy, about Tumbletown? I would have to rate Tumbletown a collection keeper. Nice. And the reason why I would pick collection keeper is because I think... All the different elements of this game lend for me to want to take this off the shelf and play it more often, I think, than maybe other games. Mm-hmm. I guess I I'm I don't really care about the theme. Like I'm not like into Western that kind of thing, but I don't think that really matters. No. I mean it's so it's fine. I get, I get the why they did it, and that's okay. Um, it's not offending me or anything. <laughs> it's not <laughs> offending me or anything like that. Um, I just, I really, I like dice placement games. I like the challenge of this game and all the different building requirements, and it makes me challenge myself because I feel like um, I don't want to get those penalty tokens when I place. Um, my buildings so I really strive to grab a building and place it with everything exactly how it needs to be and I always want to have only one space in between each of my buildings like I get really anal about it it's so stupid <laughs> but I I also like the the variability between the different types of boards so between the easy and the hard and cactus and the dueling streets i think it's pretty cool like dueling streets we didn't really talk about it but that board whatever you place on the one side of the street has to be pretty much opposite 
on the other side of the street. So it's not like a copy of what you've placed, but if you have um, like two dice on one side, the other side can't be two dice right across from it. It has to be a different um, number of dice and it can't be the same color, I don't believe either. Like it's just, it's totally different. Like it really shakes things up. So once you play easy, and you get the main gist of the game. I don't know that I'd ever go back to the easy board again, but I think I'd play the other three for sure. I don't know. I I think I just, I really like this game. I feel like I could bring it out and talk to other people and have them um, learn it and teach it to them. And I think there's such, there's a lot of different elements to it in the different requirements and thinking and strategy and stuff like that that that's why i'd have to rate it a collection keeper what do you think kurt um i think i would have to agree with you i um <clears throat> excuse me i really think that and again you could hear you could notice by listening to this podcast like we've we've reviewed a lot of weird draft games most of them and a couple of my favorites, like um, Stellar Leap and uh, the uh, Gift of Tulips, which actually, the only people that have really played that are reviewers right now because it, right now it's currently getting, it just finished with its Kickstarter and it's getting going. Like, those are two of my favorites. I feel like this is one that's up there too. Yeah. Like, I love dice games. I know there's a lot of people that don't really care about dice games because they think it's like too random with the dice rolling and stuff like that but i feel like this game is really good about giving you a lot of chances to manipulate those dice yep i was just gonna say that because like even our last play of it i had what three three re uh building requirement not building requirements what what are those other things on the bottom you had three powers three powers on the bottom where i was constantly being able to flip Mm -hmm. so i could go up two or i could go up one and that was to my benefit absolutely yeah yeah and i i like that i feel i I agree with tracy like i don't i don't necessarily love the theme of of it i understand how it is (laughs) i understand it like you could have actually like made this just a like a city building game with dice kind of like that too but again, it, it it all still works out in the end. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. I think there's probably some sort of city building, dice building. There is dice city, dice city. or something like that. Kind of, but the, but you don't stack your dice, which is cool. Yeah. I like how you stack so your dice here. It it makes. I mean, it's it stands out because it's different. Yep. And uh, uh, one of the things that makes me nervous is stacking all the dice and hoping nobody bumps the table. <laughs> oh yeah, they get shaky. They do, but they usually stay as long as we don't have, as long as you don't have a crazy uh, uh, shaky table. But yeah, just like the the iconography in this game is very easy to understand. So you know, there's a, kind of a lot going on. It kind of seems like with some of what's going on, but it's very easy to learn and pick up and play. Well, and I think how they have the rules out, mm-hmm. it or not the rules out, but how oh, they have the rules, rules laid out, yeah, made it really easy to understand table of contents and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to be able to find it 
was awesome. Yeah, and I agree with the replayability of the different the different town cards that you could do. There's also variants which we didn't even get into yet. There's other there's like you can even play like a like a, almost like a mini campaign thing on here. You can even go to their website and they've got other stuff you can do. Like it's it's, and it's an, solo too. And you can also play solo. That's big big easy busking. You can also do it too. I, that's one of the things that I appreciate Carla Cop doing for Weird Draft Games is finding a way to do solo variants for these. And I feel like they're not they're not painted on. They're actually a good fun way to also play these games too. So yeah. Like they make sense as solos. Exactly. They're not just it's not mm-hmm. just trying to shoehorn it in, that kind of thing. So I think overall this is a game that I will not mind to play anytime anybody wants to play it. Yep. So like I agree. I said, so that's our look at Tumbletown and Big Easy Bus King. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you really like what you hear here, make sure that you go out and grab a copy of either of those games. You can find them on their website. You can find them on like you know your miniature markets, your Cool Stuff Inc., that kind of thing. Make sure you go and grab those copies. If you have any questions or comments, make sure that you let us know. We're uh, we have a Facebook page. We're at MFGCast and at Mrs. Aug, M-R-S-A-U-G, on Twitter. Um, if you like what you hear here as far as us as a podcast, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends because, again, we're not we're not these huge podcasts and streamers and stuff like that. So any word of mouth is awesome. We also have a YouTube channel. Do the same things that they always tell you. Like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. Yay. And thank you to Weird Draft Games for letting us have these review copies so we could tell you about them. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. For sure. And until next time, I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And this was the MFG Cast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.